You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. And this is the first podcast on the big game western hunting rss feed for the sportsman's nation podcast network and the reason why is because the content on today's podcast is about going out west and hunting big game especially for someone who is brand new to you know the the western big game but today's podcast we're going to be talking with craig mcgovern now, Craig is not only new to all types of hunting, he's inside three years, and he's, you know, he's new to whitetail, but he also is like, man, when I go and do something, I cannonball into it, and you'll hear him talk about it on today's podcast, and he's, he's starting this journey for Western species as well. So today we talk a little bit about uh, an elk hunt that he has planned for this upcoming year. And yeah, so that's what today's, I mean, we, we talk a little bit about everything. We talk about the point system. We talk about gear. We talk about what you're doing to mentally, physically prepare for, for the hunt and, and obviously much more. But that's what the gist of today's podcast is about. But before we get into today's podcast, man, I want to talk a little bit about ripcord arrow rests. Now, ripcord arrow rests are are just a badass arrow rest. They're designed for hunters by hunters, and that is straight out of the words of the mouth of the owner of the company. So um, it's just a, a kick-ass product that is very durable, very consistent, and is not only perfect for the whitetail woods, but it's also perfect for you know the flat lands, the, the high altitudes of big game hunting as well. So if you're looking for a arrow rest, a drop away arrow rest, not they have limb driven systems and string driven systems, but if you're looking for a very high quality, very dependable uh, podcast or podcast uh, arrow rest, you need to check out Ripcord at ripcordarrowrest.com. That's where you can find them. Check out all their uh, different SKUs they have and find the podcast that is, or God, I can't, I can't even talk today, but find the arrow rest that is right for you. So enough of the crap talking. Let's get into today's podcast with Craig McGovern. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Craig McGovern. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. 
Okay, so you sent me this email, and I'm going to tell you the same story that I uh, told you right when I right when I uh, got you on the phone today before we started recording. But I glanced at your name, and I was like, "Oh my God, this guy's last name is McGyver," and I about lost it. I because you know me being a, a product of the '80s. I watched MacGyver every episode, and I just got fired up. And I was like, oh, God, this guy's last name is so badass. But your last name's not MacGyver, so I don't know how <laughs> important that story is. Yeah, sorry to let you down no, on that, that account. That's all right, man. That's all right. Um, but you you reached out to me via email, and you're like, I'm a new hunter, and I am on all levels. I'm a new hunter on all levels. I've only been, you know, hunting now for about three years and I'm just starting like many people, you know, whether you are an Eastern, let's say like a Midwestern or an Eastern hunter who is, you know, has been hunting 20 years. When you start to look West to hunt other species other than whitetails, whether it's elk, antelope, mule deer, whatever, there that's a whole new ball game and a lot of people even though they're they might be experienced hunters have to go through this whole re-education and relearning of not only how to draw tags what to look for how to scout long distance and so forth and so on so that's what we're going to talk about today but before we get into that i want you to tell everybody where you're from and what do you do for a living yeah, so I'm from uh, New Jersey, just outside of Princeton. Um, I'm a cert- certified financial uh, planner professional, so I work uh, in wealth management for a boutique regional uh, broker-dealer. And, yeah, I'm 32 now. Nice, nice. So three years ago, right, what made you – I mean, you are a grown-ass man by then, right? So <laughs> what – three years ago something triggered in you and you all of a sudden wanted to become a hunter what what triggered you to to do that yeah so i always liked the outdoors i grew up um you know fishing a lot and fishing all the time and that was my passion so i always liked the outdoors but i always had this fascination um with hunting and then also you know primarily whitetail hunting but growing up in new jersey there's not that many uh hunters so we had like the lowest um you know hunting population per uh per population in the state so i didn't really know anyone that hunted um until i got to to college um spent some time out in michigan but then when i uh finished up my college uh career back east i one of my best friends was from western pennsylvania um so he, you know, just like a lot of people in Pennsylvania, uh, grew up hunting. That was deer camp was you know, everything. Uh, they have, you know, that Monday off after Thanksgiving, everyone has off from school. So I tagged along with him, uh, my senior, my super senior year in uh, college and we went out and I kind of fell in love with it. And then fast forward, I think six years later, I hit him up and I was like, can we, go try to do this again for opening rifle season. I didn't own a rifle or anything. So I think I did that for two years. Um, and I just borrowed a rifle from him and 
my second year doing I didn't see any deer the first year. Second year, um, I ended up killing a really big buck, one of the biggest bucks they've seen in that area, and I was just hooked from then. Yeah. Was was that big buck in your you know, in your opinion, in an accident? Was it just the right place, right time? Was it did you actually like use strategy and tactics to locate and harvest this buck or was it just kind of a fluke? Oh, it was a, it was the right place, right time, total fluke. Right. Uh, I was sitting in the right stand. It came straight at me and, uh, it would happen so quick and it was all reaction based. So I didn't have time to think or anything. Gotcha. So you've, you've actually been hunting longer than three years. It's just, in the last three years, you've gotten really serious about it. Yeah, and before three years, the total hunting days was probably two and a half. Oh, okay. And I, okay. Two and a half hunting days, and it was seeing squirrels. Right, okay. And then three years ago, or sorry, three years ago, you started hunting, you didn't see a deer. Two years ago... You started. You shot a gigantic buck, right? Yep. And then what? What about last year? So last year, yeah, I was. So I think uh, two or three years. Yeah, it's been since I've been bow hunting. So I was like, all right. Um, I had an opportunity. One of the, uh, a buddy I had uh, that I knew was selling a bow, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll buy it. I want to get into this because. If I wanted to do it in New Jersey, uh, it, primarily I think 60% um, of the hunters are bow hunters because it's mostly a bow-only state. Um, so I purchased the bow but didn't have anywhere to go. So I hunted a little with that bow, um, just with an invite with a buddy, like one or two times. And then two years ago, I was able to get on some properties and, um, you know, I started bringing it up in a conversation and got access to some pretty good properties by my house and then been hunting those properties ever since and trying to manage it and, you know, make it my own. Right. All right. So, you know, New Jersey's probably not the best state in the entire United States for, uh, you know, to hunt whitetails, right? Um, sounds like it's pretty difficult at some point. Uh, some, you know, certain. I follow some guys out east, and one of them's from New Jersey, and he has to do a ton of scouting and looking around, not only on public ground, but knocking on doors, getting access to private. So he has to really work hard uh, to even get a crack at something that he would consider mature and i think he considered i mean what he what he thinks is a great deer is probably like a three-year-old so so but i don't want to really talk about the east coast right now or whitetails specifically because me and you are kind of in the same boat when it is trying to in our introduce ourselves to this western type of hunting and there's a whole list of you know things that have to happen in order for a guy you know i'm closer than you are by about seven states but uh seven or eight states but but that's a long ways away from new jersey till it's even even let's say colorado or wyoming but you've only had three years really of hunting 
whitetails. What all of a sudden made you say, you know what, I want to extend this, and I even want to start going out west now? Whew, I don't know. I when I uh, jump into something, I I jump into the deep end real quick. You know, I become almost obsessed with it. Um, so I just, you know, always like, I've been, uh, out West, never for hunting, but I've been going to Colorado probably twice a year for business. Um, and I just liked it out there. I like being outdoors. I like, um, camping. I like hiking. I like doing all that. So why not marry the two loves of the outdoors, uh, enjoying the West and hunting? So that's kind of where it started. Um, uh, I didn't think it would come to fruition this quickly, uh, but it has. And my wife reluctantly signed off on it uh, <laughs> for for me to go. It, it cost me a girl, a couple of girls trips, so I had to stay home and watch the twins. But um, it'll be be worth it, definitely. But yeah, I, I think I'm part crazy. That's kind of why I jumped into it so quick. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in the same boat. Um, I got a, <laughs> I, I talk about this every once in a while, but, um, I've been spending a lot of time whitetail hunting and my, we, me and my wife never went on a hunting moon. So this year we're going to Noma, uh, Napa and Sonoma Valley, uh, where all the wineries are in California. So I'm kind of fronting the money for, uh, her to do, uh, you know, so she and I can do this basically honeymoon type trip so she's getting what she wants i'm getting an elk hunt and it sounds like that's what you're trying to do is plan a, a diy elk hunt as well yep yep okay. that's exactly what i'm doing all right so when you said hey i want to i want to start and you haven't even gone yet right you haven't even been hunting at all so basically what we're going to talk about is what you've done so far and what you plan on doing before the actual hunting season gets here, because that's September and that's a lot closer than what we think. And so what I want to know is what, what made you choose elk as your first Western trip? And what have you done as far as research? Where was your, where was your starting point? Yeah, so uh, in terms of choosing what animal I want to hunt, um, I kind of looked at it like if I'm going to go out west um, and I'm going to take the chance on hunting some animals, I, <laughs> I kind of need my, uh, my time that I took away from the family work and all that to kind of show in terms of quantity of meat, I would say. Right. Um, that's why I don't fish that much more like I used to because – when I go out fishing and, the, and I come home with maybe one or two trout, my wife looks at me disappointed. But if I come home with a whole deer, uh, I think it's time well spent in terms of uh, pounds to, uh, you know, hours out. So that's kind of, I always had an interest in elk, but that was kind of the first um, one I went to because it's a large animal. If I able to put a tag on one, it would be well worth it in terms of the quantity of the meat. Um, so getting started, I would just, um, I, I try to be like a student of the game and uh, always trying to educate myself. So whether it be podcasts online, um, and that's kind of where I got the idea of, 
hey, this could be, uh, I could do this. Because um, the, the biggest thing is the barrier to entry, one, in hunting, but two, going out west. It's with the point systems, and it's, it's all foreign to me, and I'm sure a lot of other people. Um, so kind of educating myself, hearing you and Mark talk about it uh, on your guys' podcast and, and others, and then it led me to other websites that I could see that kind of broke it down easily for me. Um, I used go hunt on it and that kind of broke down the schedules, what the preference points mean, what's, what's the bonus point, when to do it, when not to do it. And last year I was kind of late to it. So really (laughs) I chose Colorado because you had to get your, uh, you know, your application in, by the beginning of April. And by the time I got around to looking at it, it was probably already March. So I missed out on a lot of the the Western states. Um, So I started there and just kind of looking what would make the most sense. And and, and from a financial standpoint, because some of them, some states, you have to front the money for the tags you're buying. So that that played into it. Um, So that's kind of how I started and why I decided on elk. Okay. And then as far as the states that you looked at, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, having to front all the money. I know Colorado just changed a rule where now now they they offer the preference point system similar to like uh Wyoming for example. But but what else about because there's there's several other states out there that, you know, have over the counter elk units they have you know you should be able to get in with zero points or um but why why colorado colorado i was familiar with it because i visited there so much and go there a decent amount on business so it was a something familiar um and I, I knew I could maybe in the future tie business and then with some pleasure, maybe fly out there for business and combined it. So that was, that was kind of my first thinking. Okay, cool. So, so now you've got your species locked down. You've got your state locked down. And that's kind of a big thing because I'm in the process now of collecting preference points in multiple states. I'm you know, searching for multiple species. This year, I know that I'm going to Colorado for an elk hunt. I, I don't, I know where, uh, where I'm going to, to be going. I still have to do some scouting, but I'm kind of lucky because I got a friend who's been hunting out there before and he's going to, I don't know, I'm just going to be tagging along with him. I got invited to go along. So it's really not like I'm doing anything except, you know, I, I'm benefiting from somebody else's scouting. However, I'm I'm starting to scout for places to hunt mule deer and elk in Wyoming and North and South Dakota. And so now that you've got your species, now that you've got your uh, state picked out, Colorado's a big state and there's a lot of places to uh, hunt elk. Now what are you doing? Yeah, so then, so last year I built up a preference point. So then that's my starting. I, I put in for muley and also uh, the elk. So I had a preference point. So then it was kind of figuring out 
do I do over the counter or do I try to put it in for one preference point and burn it then uh, for my first one? So it was really looking at the different units and then using the go hunt, uh, you know, the odds, the draw odds to see what would make sense looking at everything from, you know, the bull to cow ratios, um, the public land, because I'm going to be hunting public land, uh, what percentage of that is public land, looking at the different elevations, um, do I want to go super high elevation, do I want to go easier, uh, looking at access uh, to see how the accesses are, um, and then kind of deciding from that, uh, what do I want to do? Do I want to put in for that limited draw or go with the over the counter? Uh, so I ended up actually putting in for a limited draw. Um, no, uh, my odds were a little lower. I think my odds were maybe 33 to 40%. So knowing if I didn't draw that, I could go to, um, the leftover. And then from there, if I don't get a leftover, I can always do over the counter. Okay. Uh, so you made the decision that you're going no matter what next this year. Yeah. So okay. I talked it out with the wife, uh, and you know, for this past Christmas, basically whoever, you know, family friends were going to buy me a gift. I did an Amazon <laughs> wish list, and it was all like backpacking and uh, hunting stuff that I didn't have yet. Right. Okay. And we're we're going to get to the gear because. Uh, when I went out to Idaho for my very first elk trip, man, I dropped a ton of money on gear uh, because I, I didn't have it and I needed it. But wh- how are how are you looking? All right. So you, you've got the tag situation. You got this plan in your head about what you're going to do as far as preference points and the tags. And, you know, you're going to put in for a, a unit that has you know, a certain percentage of draw odds for one point. If that doesn't happen, you're going to look for leftovers in other units. And if that doesn't uh, pan out, then you're just going to go over the counter, right? Yep. Okay. So, so you've done all that. Are, what, what happened as a result of this year, of that one preference point? Did you get into the unit that you wanted, or are you going over the counter? Uh, so I think the draw results are in June, so oh, I'll find out. Okay. In early June. Okay. So have so you really haven't narrowed you've narrowed down three different options, right? Uh yep. so each option, right? If you if you get your I guess number one option, it's one zone. So then you can start focusing on one zone. But as of right now, you're still kind of focused on the entire state uh of Colorado looking for the best possible options. So how are you narrowing down options as far as locations to hunt, and uh, what what are you doing? Um, what, what resources are you using? I know you mentioned go hunt. Are you using to look at land, scout resources as far as um, I guess people are concerned? Yeah. So, um, like you said, I, I, I start with the go hunt. Um, and then within a certain unit or something that looks good in terms of, cause I like, um, like a lot of data stuff. So if the numbers look good, I start there and then I'll start digging a little deeper on the maps, whether it be, um, uh, then I'm looking for, 
you know, public land. So within the public land, uh, who's managing it? So is it BLM? Is it national forest? Going from there. So once I kind of look at that and I say, okay, there's, you know, federal land I can hunt here that allows dispersed camping. Um, and then I'll look at different trailheads to see, okay, where's a trailhead that I can actually pull my car up to and stop there. And, you know, I have an attention just getting the farthest away from any road. So I'm looking at different roads, uh, in there. And then from there, I'm looking at what I think would be good elk habitat. Uh, and then actually Colorado has a nice, uh, feature. They have the hunting at, uh, Atlas. So you can see where, uh, the, you know, the, the summer range, cause I'm going to be doing an archery hunt. So it'd be more summer range, uh, where the elk may be. And I'll overlay that. I like using, uh, Google earth, um, for a lot of the scouting. So I'm looking for, you know, different drainages. They're probably going to be a lot above the timber line looking for features such as water sources, uh, like I said, drainages and the different kind of vegetation, things that they'll be, you know, hopefully diet. So it's really looking at all those things and seeing if I can find one with a trailhead that, that I can walk two to three miles in away from roads, away from other hunters. So I did that in the unit I applied for, and then also my backup plan for over-the-counter, where I have a few uh, options. Gotcha. All right, so does it matter to you, because you, you said data, you, you know, you were looking at the data, and I, I've played around with Go Hunt in the past, and they have the data, right? So what kind of data specifically were you looking for that, you know, that kind of guided you to that zone? Yeah, so the data was, one, the public land, the percentage that I'll be able to hunt, because uh, that's what I'm going to be hunting is public land. Uh, it was, I looked at the the success rate, you know, uh, percentage a little bit, not a ton of amount. Uh, when it's a limited draw, you put a little more weight on that because there's only a limited amount of tags. Uh, when it's a, a general unit, um, it's typically going to be lower. So you got to, you know, judge how much weight you're going to put on that. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, what, um, season are the harvests coming from? So if I'm looking at something that's good for a third rifle season, it may not help me in archery. Uh, I'm looking at, like I said, elevation before, um, I'm trying to think of anything else, but those, those are the main ones. And then the, the bull to cow ratio. Right. For, for this being your first elk hunt out West, how important is that bull to cow ratio at this point? I mean, it's not a huge, you know, I'm just trying to see animals. And if I, if I see a bull or a cow, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to take my shot at it. But if there's, you know, a a ton of amount of uh bull out there you know i'll I'll try to take some of the bulls um but i'm by any means i'm not going to be picky since it's my first time out there right absolutely okay so so then you have 
elevation, right? And yep. different different data as far as that is concerned and, and the amount of public versus private ground. Was there a breakdown specifically that you were looking for from a, a public-private, like a certain percent public is anything below a certain percent public uh, you ruled out or how did you how did you break that down so yeah the good thing about gohan is they have the sliders and you can kind of adjust them so i would you know uh, uh, i would play around with it because you would look at the success rate of let's just use um, a limited draw units only for example there's certain success rate that you're going to get that draw so ones that are zero success rate i just ruled out so the ones that are anything positive, um, usually I limited it at like 25%. Uh, that was kind of my starting point. So there's only, you know, 10 or 12 units that you can get access to. From there, I would look at the percentage that's public. But if it was a low percentage, uh, I didn't rule it out completely. I would just dive in deeper and see why is it low. And of that low percentage, what percentages um uh, public land and is it big enough for me to feel comfortable there that I can get away from roads or any of that so I didn't rule it out completely but it's always it always helps when it's a higher number right okay and then elevation right because man I tell you what I'm probably not in mountain shape right now and I'm going to be at 10 I'm going to be starting out at 10,000 feet when I go to Colorado and when I was in 7,500 feet to 9,000 feet out in Idaho, that kicked the crap out of me, okay? So did elevation play a role in, or terrain features play a role in what unit you selected? Yeah, somewhat. Um, you know, if there was two identical units that or two spots that pretty much were identical and one was a lower altitude compared to one that's a higher altitude, I would favor the lower altitude. Um, you know, I'm in pretty good shape. Uh, you can never be in true mountain shape until you do it every day in, day out. Um, but it, 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 you know, it affected it, but it didn't uh, dismay me to uh, shy away from ones that are the higher altitude. Right. Okay. So you you use those features, and it sounds like you use Go Hunt a lot to break all that down. Just kind of out of curiosity, what is a Go Hunt membership? How much did you pay for that? I paid last year. I think it's uh, like ninety bucks. Is that for a whole year? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that something that you would recommend to other hunters who are you know looking? For to, to do what you did as far as taking a Western trip? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it laid it out nicely um, for me and kind of understanding and, and the scheduling. And they'll send you reminders around the year um, when, you know, uh, a reminder alert for when the, the draw is closing or when you can submit your applications or when you can buy preference or bonus points. So that was really helpful for me because, you know, I'm a full-time job, twins at home, marriage, I get things lost. So those uh, reminders were really helpful, but it really laid it out kind of easy 
for it just broke it down because it was all foreign to me and it, it was really confusing and this was a way to just easily see everything laid out right okay yeah that makes sense and let's see here so you've got your unit picked out um other than the the colorado atlas that you said you were looking for what other type of digital scouting methods did you use to uh look into you know because sometimes zones can be huge sometimes they can be a little smaller but regardless of how big or small it is when you get out there for the first time it's all going to look big so what kind of you know what other uh scouting techniques did you use to try to narrow down like a trailhead or um a section of forest or whatever yeah, so I relied heavily on Google Earth, okay. um, and I used that all the time. Okay. So it, it would, you know, I would kind of use Google Earth before I used the hunting app, uh, atlas, and I would overlay the hunting lat- atlas on Google Earth. Gotcha. So then you would, you would uh, you know, if I had to guess, you had both of them up at the same time. Right. And you were looking on all these, you know, you were looking back and forth on how to, you know, how to or what trailhead was here. And then you'd look over at the other map and, and see if that was within your zone or whatever. Yep. OK. All right. Cool. So so then now you've got it kind of narrowed down. I mean, you're you're looking in different locations because you're still kind of waiting for your draw results. But knowing that things can change when you get out there, right? There could be four, four, you know, 14 trucks at that trailhead when you, you get out there and just because it's a popular spot or, um, you know, some things that happen, you know, can happen. Like for, I'll just use an example. When I went on my Idaho hunt, uh, the year before I went, the guy that I went with was like, man, we, we they we were in it last year i mean there was they were bugling like crazy they were rutting real hard uh and then we get to where we parked there was already campers and trucks there we walk in to set up our tent and as we set up our tent then we go down to get water and then there's another big camp of horses and people there so you know a lot of things can change between New Jersey and when you actually pull into where you think you're going to camp. Do you have any backup plans uh, in place if that happens? Yeah, definitely. You got to have, so I've not just one area or one trailhead. So if I do draw the one I put in for, I got three or four different spots that are, some are close to the same one, some are farther away that I'm able to make a change if something happened. Um, I also, uh, one thing, like I said, I'm out there for business. So I was actually out there a couple of weeks ago and I had all this laid out and these different spots and the different units. I walked into um, the state department and went to uh, parks and wildlife and talked it out with um, the guys there. And they were very helpful on that too. And they also gave me some information on where would be a good place to look over the counter, uh, asked them, you know, their thoughts, where they hunt, where, and they were extremely helpful on that standpoint too. Gotcha. 
so then so you've you've used the federal or the government as a resource too right the you know biologist and the guy the dnr officers have you made any phone calls to like uh the the dnr officers or biologists that actually are in charge of that specific area so i haven't done that i was waiting to hear uh on the draw results first okay. um so i've only talked to the main office uh about that gotcha and what did they have to say to you when you went in and talked to them? Um, so I, I basically came in there with, you know, my notes and all the homework that I've been doing. And I was, I basically laid it out. Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm thinking about putting in for this unit for the limited draw. What do you think of this unit? If that doesn't happen, do you think I should do a leftover or go straight to, or put in for a second choice or do an over the counter? And we just kind of banged through it, and at the end, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, you're doing everything right. You're doing the right thing. And then I was kind of asking more specific things on uh, the units within it, um, if they think it's a good place to hunt, bad place to hunt, if this trail or this peak looks good. And then it kind of got into uh, the nitty-gritty of the areas. Um but like in terms of the the processes and like the things I was doing, whether it be using uh, the Gohan or using Google Earth or the Atlas, it, they said I'm doing all the right stuff, which was reassuring because going in there, I didn't know if I was doing it right or wrong or if I was doing not enough or too much. And they said I was right on track. So that was definitely reassuring. Gotcha. So when you were out there, did you get the opportunity to drive by? One or at least maybe hop out of your truck and walk into the mountains a little bit. Uh, some of these places that you want to try to hunt. So I didn't have enough time to go to the place okay. that I want to hunt. I went, you know, I was in Denver, so I went locally um, around there. Tried to do some like, <laughs> see if I was in decent shape. Tried to do some like hard cardio. Um, you know, things like that, running the hills and running uh, all over there to see how my body would do at 3,000 or 3,500 feet. Um, <laughs> How'd that turn out? It turned out good. I was, you know, that one day I did it two a day, and then I ran close to six miles, and I was keeping at a seven-minute pace um, running the trails there. So that was pretty good. So I was, I was pleased. Nice. That's awesome. All right, so the the scouting now have you talked with anybody like other hunters that have been out here um or out there uh have you went on to any forums uh and asked questions because i think doesn't go hunt have a forum yeah so they have forums and then another nice thing they do they do kind of q a with the guys that work there on um you know, the, the Colorado, uh, elk hunt and things like that. So yeah, they, they have forums there. Gotcha. Okay. So did you, did you ask any questions on the forum or on the, you know, to anybody, any other individuals specifically? Yeah. So, uh, anytime I would look at uh, a certain unit or place, I would Google it right away to see if other people talked about it on forums, if it was written up for some reason or any of that. So I would scour the internet to see if people had success there. 
I mean, people don't want to tell their, you know, their honey holes or if they have any of them, but to see, you know, at least something that, okay, how much pressure is it getting? If it was successful, things like that. Um, and then I use, you know, used Instagram a little bit. Um, trying to think, uh, use bow hunting, uh, websites a little bit. So I, I did a little bit of the, the forum and definitely searched a lot of them. Right. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So you've, you've kind of, it sounds to me like you have a rough draft of your plan put together and laid out as far as where to hunt, right. And what units to hunt in, right. Yeah, a rough draft. That could all change with the draw results uh, right. and the leftover uh, draw too. How far away is the are the three different spots from each other? Uh, they're not too far. Um, I mean, uh, you know, as a crow flies, it's not far at all. But when you're driving through the mountains, it's a uh, it's pretty far. So there's some are like three miles away um, okay. around mountains. So other drainages and. Uh, basins and then one you know it's like 30 minutes away uh and i think another one from the main one that i was thinking is like 40 minutes away gotcha okay cool all right so so now you've got kind of a plan for that now gear right and like i've said earlier when i went on my first hunt my first elk hunt i was going to be up in the mountains so i needed uh you know i needed a bladder I needed a tent. I needed a, a decent sleeping bag. I needed a foam pad. I needed a water purification system. Uh, those are just the th- first things that pop up in my head. And I ended up spending like $1,000 before, maybe even more, because I, I remember buying some additional socks. I got new boots that year. Um, long story short, spend a lot of money. What have you done as far as gear? And because it sounds like you know you're going to be doing a DIY camping, you know, backcountry hunt. So, what have you been doing as far as purchasing gear? How you're finding this gear? What you're, you know, what you're buying, and and kind of going from there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I've already spent a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, <laughs> um. So yeah, it's. So like for my birthday, my birthday is in October and Christmas, I basically just said, give me Amazon gift cards, Cabela's or like REI stuff because I have this huge checklist that I need to fill. Um, so I didn't have a backpack. I needed a backpack. Uh, you know, I have my day backpacks for, you know, whitetail stuff, but I don't have an extended five day backcountry you know, backpack. So I had to purchase that. So I ended up going and I, with all this stuff, I'm, I know what I want, but I'm constantly watching it for different sales, uh, or ways I can get it cheaper. Right. Um, so I got, uh, a Kuyu backpack. They had a sale going on for one of their certain camo patterns. Uh, and I was able to pick up uh, one of their packs for uh, a pretty good price. I think I got the Ultra 6000. Um, so that, that was good timing, and I used money that I got for my birthday from my parents and my in-laws, I think. Um, so that, you know, that wasn't cheap. 
so once I got that, um, another thing I looked for was I needed a new tent. I needed a backpacking tent and I'm going to, my, my best friend for 20 years, he's going to come with me on this trip. Who's also a non, he's a non hunter in general. Um, so he's just coming to hang with you. He's my right hand man on, you know, for the past 20 years. So he's along for the trip. Uh, he'll mule some stuff for me and we'll just try to find them together. Um, so he's got to get stuff for, so I, you know, he doesn't know much, so I got to build two lists, tell him what he has to get. You know, I'll get the rest of the stuff, whether it be, you know, a backpacking stove that we both can use or, uh, the tent. So the tent was another one. Um, I needed a, a, I had a tent, but it wasn't really a backpacking tent. It was, it wasn't very good. So I was constantly looking to see, you know, how much dough do I want to put down for a tent? Because when you get into the backpacking stuff, the, the lighter it is, the more expensive it is. Oh, yeah. So I had to see, do I just want to load this pack up my first time around and just be miserable and maybe not make it if it's a high elevation hunt or spend some money um, on the tent? Or So I ended up going with an REI tent. I think I went with a Half Dome Plus. They had a sale going on. I got a coupon, and I think I had a gift certificate. So I was able to do a black, I think it was a Black Friday sale. So I was able to pick that up. Um, I needed new boots. I had some good, couple of good pairs of uh, hunting boots. One was like a a Danner pronghorn, but I didn't think it would be enough. So I kept looking all over for what, how much money I wanted to spend on boots. I knew I had to get a decent pair because, you know, without your feet, you, you can't do anything. Right. So I, so I picked up a, a pricey pair of boots, but I got it 30 or 40% off using a coupon uh, online. Gotcha. By the way, what brand was that? Because I'm looking for uh, for some new boots as well this year. So I picked up the Lawa uh, Tibet uh, Gore-Tex one. Okay, cool, cool. All right, so gear, you're starting to put a list together. Did you just sit down and write a list down of all the things that you needed, or did you go online and find a, a list that someone else kind of put together? So I would go online, I would look at YouTube lists, and um, you know, last year I would I, I looked through the list and I kind of would look at the the most important things that I needed that to survive. So it was like the boots, the backpack. Um, the tent, uh, what else, things like that. And I wanted to check those off first. And then in my head, I knew I had to do little stuff along the way. So I don't have a written out list right now, but I kind of keep checking back to see uh, and looking online to see if there's any other things that, uh, that may come on sale or something that I need that I can pick up. Gotcha. So whereabouts are you at with getting your list completed before you uh, before you go? So I'm about probably more than halfway there. Um, trying to think of other stuff. So I you know I have decent optics. So I got a a decent binoculars. I got a new spotting scope. That was something for 
Christmas that I got uh, from my in-laws, and I think my parents threw in. I got through Cabela's. I picked up a, a Vortex. Uh, I forget what model, but their mid-range model that came on sale. Gotcha. Got that. That was a big purchase. That was probably my biggest purchase. Right. Um, what else do I need? I, you know, I picked up, put stuff on my, the wish list was great. So people got me like trekking poles. Uh, I got the, uh, stove. I think I got the, the pocket rocket stove. Yep. Um, so I'm about probably 65, 70% there. The only thing that I'm waiting on, and I do have the, the gift certificates for it is a handheld GPS. Gotcha. Um, so I was probably going to go with the, the inReach, but I'm kind of waiting out to see if they're going to come out with a new one or if something comes up better okay. uh, before the summer. So one thing, and I, maybe this is just me talking out, you know, thinking out loud, but when I went on my first elk hunt, um, I had a ton of of stuff, you know, in my, in my pack, I got a list from uh, my buddy Mark and I ended up, man, I ended up buying everything on that list and cramming it all into my pack. And then there was certain things that I didn't even use. And it was probably, it's going to sound ridiculous, but probably close to five pounds worth of items that I didn't even touch. Yeah. They might've been used in case of an emergency, maybe, but for this next hunt that I'm going on, I'm not going to bring any of that stuff. Uh, you know, with it being, if it was a big emergency, I could just kind of, unless I, you know, unless it was a first aid emergency, like if things got really wet and I got, I needed to get off the mountain, then I could just walk back to the truck. You know, it may take a while, but I, I'd get, go back to the truck. So there was all these things that I had in my pack that I didn't even use. So are you thinking about that while you're buying this, or are you just kind of in buy mode and sort later type of, type of a mode? Yeah, I'm definitely into, I'm the guy that goes on vacation and brings way too much stuff. And I, come home and I've only used like half of the clothes that I've packed and things like that. So I'm in constant fear that I'm going to bring too much stuff. Um, so yeah, I definitely am keeping that in mind. Um, I don't want to pack it up too much. Um, but I'm a guy that kind of likes to have his stuff, but you know, it's my first time. So I don't, know what exactly is necessary and what's not and if it's kind of i'm probably going to be like if it's kind of on the fence if i think this is necessary or not i'm probably going to bring it and and regret it later right right yeah makes sense man so you know now now you're waiting for your zone you know you have it you have a plan put together is what i'm getting at and now it's just kind of a waiting game um are you doing anything as far as archery is concerned, changing up sights, rests, bow in general, arrows, uh, how you build your arrows, anything like that to prepare for a, a bigger bodied animal on different terrain? Yeah. So last year towards the end of the season, I, uh, knew I kind of wanted to do it in the future and, 
had it in my mind that I was maybe going to do it the next year. I didn't tell anyone, you know, didn't tell my wife yet until I knew it was going to be uh, maybe approachable after deer season because uh, I'm out all the time during yeah. deer season. Yeah. So um, I was able to, like I said, I looked for deals and I was able to, I use eBay a lot too, um, to find either, you know, slightly used things. So I actually changed my site up. Um, I changed my site up to uh, a five pin, but a a hybrid. So I was able to um, move it up or down depending on that. So I can go out to a longer range with that or dial it into, you know, the precise number of yards um so on my bow setup that was probably the first thing i did and then i also got um a new stabilizer that was able to because when i hunt uh in the tree i usually don't use my quiver um but i got uh, a new stabilizer that was able to kind of counteract that quiver being on there knowing that in the future I'm probably going to have the quiver on there the whole time I'm, I'm hunting. Right. So I changed my stabilizer and my uh, sight. In terms of arrow setup, it was kind of the same. Um, it, it's per, the What I'm shooting now, is it, it's heavy, but it's fast um, enough. So I, I think I'm going to keep the arrow setup the same way. Okay. So, and, you know, obviously you just got to continue to practice. You're going to continue to practice uh, throughout the summer. So between right now and the day that you get in your vehicle and leave, or I don't know, maybe you're flying out, but what are, like, what are a couple things that you're going to try to accomplish before then? Yeah, so right now, especially now between even getting the results in June. So there's not, you know, I could dive deeper, but I don't want it to be kind of wasteful. If I'm going, if I'm trying to get this one unit and then I don't draw and then I wasted all this time. So right now it's fully on, uh, conditioning. It's just, uh, conditioning my body to that, trying to go out hiking whenever I can, trying to load up my pack as much as I can. Um, so it's, it's the conditioning, but also, uh, the archery conditioning and trying to add the, you know, getting my heart rate up, whether I'm, you know, doing sprints or doing something and then running up and trying to shoot my bow and calm my uh, heart rate down, doing longer ranges, um, not too long where it's uncomfortable, but kind of opening that up a little bit and trying to mimic the situations. Um, cause I try to do that with the whitetail because I come from you know college football and it's all like repetition repetition and then when it happens um you know it's just natural it's just instinct so I'm trying to mimic that as much as I can so so you got a game plan together are you now are you excited about it yeah I'm getting more and more excited about it um and I think the more I get excited about it, the more annoyed other people get. So I try to keep it inside as much as I can because, uh, you know, naturally I'll just talk about it all the time. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, 
So I'm trying to limit it, you know, as much as I can so I don't piss too many people off. Right, right. So, and this is non-hunting related. We're getting ready to end the show now, but you played football at Michigan State? Yeah, I played at Michigan State, and I also played football at Rutgers. Rutgers, okay. So did you tran- did you transfer from Michigan State to Rutgers? Yeah, I okay. played two seasons at Michigan State and then three at Rutgers. Three, uh, three at Rutgers, okay. So was Rutgers in the Big Ten when you started playing? They were not. They were in the Big East. The Big East, okay. So you moved to the you moved to the Big East. Um, when you were at when you were at Michigan State, did, did what was your record against Iowa those two years? Do you remember? Uh, trying to think. The first year. I don't remember. That's all I right. really don't. I, I was just looking for an opportunity to slam other schools in the Big Ten, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's funny. I've been to <laughs> Iowa several times. I've been on that campus, was recruited by them, the whole deal. Nice. Nice. Well, man, I tell you what, I really appreciate you taking time to hop on the uh, podcast and uh, share this uh, this journey that you're taking with us. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for the time. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Craig for coming on the podcast, talking with us about his preparation and his plans for this elk hunt he's taken and uh, a little bit about uh, what he plans to do in the future as far as Western hunts is concerned. Huge shout out to all of you who are listening normally on the whitetail feed, but made it over here today um, for the big game Western feed as well and uh, a lot more to come on this particular feed so if you are interested in hunting western big game whether you're a novice or an expert then uh, this is going to be the place for you as far as content for uh, elk mule deer antelope sheep you know moose that's the goal and uh, that's what's going to happen so uh, keep an eye out for that other than that guys be sure to you know, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, all the, you know, all the standards. And then a huge shout out to all of the sponsors of this particular podcast. We have Ripcord, Arrowrest, Ozonics, Exodus Trail Cameras, Lone Wolf, Wasp Archery. Please go out and support those, uh, those companies because they support this podcast. And other than that, guys, uh, I typically say this on the on the whitetail feed, but if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good day. <laughs>